Chapter Forty Three, Part Two of East Lynne. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda McDaniel. East Lynne by Mrs. Henry Wood. Chapter Forty Three, Part Two. Mr. Carlyle was at Lynneborough. He always had much business there at assize time and the Nisi Prius Court. But the previous day he had not gone himself. Mr. Dill had been dispatched to represent him. Between seven and eight he returned home and came into William's chamber. The boy brightened up at the well-known presence. Papa! Mr. Carlyle sat down on the bed and kissed him. The passing beams of the sun slanting from the horizon shone into the room and Mr. Carlyle could view well the dying face. The gray hue of death was certainly on it. "'Is he worse?' he exclaimed hastily to Madame Vine, who was jacketed and capped and spectacled and tied up round the throat and otherwise disguised in her universal fashion. "'He appears worse this evening, sir, more weak.' "'Papa,' panted William, "'is the trial over?' "'What trial, my boy?' "'Sir Francis Levison's.' It was over yesterday. Never trouble your head about him, my brave boy. He is not worth it. But I want to know. Will they hang him? He is sentenced to it. Did he kill Hallijohn? Yes. Who has been talking to him upon the subject? Mr. Carlyle continued to Madame Vine with marked displeasure in his tone. Wilson mentioned it, sir, was the low answer. Oh, Papa, what will he do? Will Jesus forgive him? We must hope it. Do you hope it, Papa? Yes, I wish that all the world may be forgiven, William, whatever may have been their sins. My child, how restless you seem. I can't keep in one place. The bed gets wrong. Pull me up on the pillow, will you, Madame Vine? Mr. Carlyle gently lifted the boy himself. Madame Vine is an untiring nurse to you, William, he observed, gratefully casting a glance toward her in the distance where she had retreated and was shaded by the window curtain. William made no reply. He seemed to be trying to recall something. I forget, I forget. Forget what? asked Mr. Carlyle. It was something I wanted to ask you, or to tell you. Isn't Lucy come home? I suppose not. Papa, I want Joyce. I will send her home to you. I am going for your mamma after dinner. For mamma? Oh, I remember now, papa. How shall I know mamma in heaven? Not this mamma. Mr. Carlyle did not immediately reply. The question may have puzzled him. William continued hastily, possibly mistaking the motive of the silence. She will be in heaven, you know. Yes, yes, child, speaking hurriedly. Madame Vine knows she will. She saw her abroad, and Mamma told her that— What is it, Madam? Madam Vine grew sick with alarm. Mr. Carlyle turned his eyes upon her scarlet face, as much as he could get to see of it. She would have escaped from the room if she could. Mamma was more sorry than she could bear, went on William, finding he was not helped. She wanted you, Papa, and she wanted us, and her heart broke, and she died. A flush rose to Mr. Carlyle's brow. He turned inquiringly to Madame Vine. "'Oh, I beg your pardon, sir,' she murmured with desperate energy. "'I ought not to have spoken. I ought not to have interfered in your family affairs. I spoke only as I thought it must be, sir. The boy seemed troubled about his mother.' Mr. Carlyle was at sea. 
Did you meet his mother abroad? I scarcely understand. She lifted her hand and covered her glowing face. No, sir. Surely the recording angel blotted out the words. If ever a prayer for forgiveness went up from an aching heart, it must have gone up then for the equivocation over her child's deathbed. Mr. Carlyle went toward her. Do you perceive the change in his countenance? He whispered. Yes, sir, he has looked like this since a strange fit of trembling that came on in the afternoon. Wilson thought he might be taken for death. I fear that some four-and-twenty hours will end it. Mr. Carlyle rested his elbow on the window-frame, and his hand upon his brow, his drooping eyelids falling over his eyes. It is hard to lose him. Oh, sir, he will be better off, she wailed, choking down the sobs and the emotion that arose threateningly. We can bear death. It is not the worst parting that the earth knows. He will be quit of this cruel world, sheltered in heaven. I wish we were all there. A servant came in to say that Mr. Carlyle's dinner was served, and he proceeded to it with what appetite he had. When he returned to the sick-room the daylight had faded, and a solitary candle was placed where its rays could not fall upon the child's face. Mr. Carlyle took the light in his hand to scan that face again. He was lying sideways on the pillow, his hollow breath echoing through the room. The light caused him to open his eyes. "'Don't, Papa, please. I like it dark.' "'Only for a moment, my precious boy.' and not for more than a moment did mr carlyle hold it the blue pinched ghastly look was there yet death was certainly coming on quick at that moment lucy and archibald came in on their return from their visit to miss carlyle the dying boy looked up eagerly good-bye lucy he said putting out his cold damp hand i'm not going out replied lucy we have but just come home good-bye lucy repeated he she laid hold of the little hand then leaned over and kissed him good-bye william but indeed i am not going out anywhere i am said he i am going to heaven where's archie mr carlyle lifted archie on to the bed lucy looked frightened archie surprised archie good-bye good-bye dear i am going to heaven to that bright blue sky you know i shall see mamma there and i'll tell her that you and lucy are coming soon lucy a sensitive child broke into a loud storm of sobs enough to disturb the equanimity of any sober sick-room wilson hastened in at the sound and mr carlyle sent the two children away with soothing promises that they should see william in the morning if he continued well enough down on her knees her face buried in the counterpane a corner of it stuffed into her mouth that it might help to stifle her agony knelt lady isabel the moment's excitement was well-nigh beyond her strength of endurance her own child his child they alone around its deathbed, and she might not ask or receive a word of comfort, of consolation. Mr. Carlyle glanced at her as he caught her choking sobs, just as he would have glanced at any other attentive governess, feeling her sympathy doubtless but nothing more. She was not heart and part with him and his departing boy. Lower and lower bent he over that boy, for his eyes were wet. "'Don't cry, Papa.' whispered william raising his feeble hand caressingly to his father's cheek i am not afraid to go jesus is coming for me 
afraid to go indeed i hope not my gentle boy you are going to god to happiness a few years we know not how few and we shall all come to you yes you will be sure to come i know that i shall tell mamma so i dare say she is looking out for me now perhaps she's standing on the banks of the river watching the boats he had evidently got that picture of martin's in his mind the plains of heaven mr carlyle turned to the table he saw some strawberry juice pressed from the fresh fruit and moistened with it the boy's fevered lips papa i can't think how jesus can be in all the boats perhaps they don't go quite at the same time he must be you know because he comes to fetch us he will be yours darling was the whispered fervent answer oh yes he will take me all the way up to god and say here's a poor little boy come you must please to forgive him and let him go into heaven because i died for him papa did you know that mamma's heart broke william i think it likely that your poor mamma's heart did break ere death came but let us talk of you not of her are you in pain i can't breathe i can't swallow i wish joyce was here she will not be long now the boy nestled himself in his father's arms and in a few minutes appeared to be asleep mr carlyle after a while gently laid him on his pillow and watched him and then turned to depart oh papa papa he cried out in a tone of painful entreaty opening wide his yearning eyes say good-bye to me mr carlyle's tears fell upon the little upturned face as he once more caught it to his breast my darling your papa will soon be back he is going to bring mamma to see you and pretty little baby anna and baby anna if you would like her to come in i will not leave my darling boy for long he need not fear i shall not leave you again to-night william when once i am back then put me down and go papa a lingering embrace a fond lingering tearful embrace mr carlyle holding him to his beating heart then he laid him comfortably on his pillow gave him a teaspoonful of strawberry juice and hastened away good-bye papa came forth the little feeble cry it was not heard mr carlyle was gone gone from his living child forever up rose lady isabel and flung her arms aloft in a storm of sobs oh william darling in this dying moment let me be to you as your mother again he unclosed his wearied eyelids it is probable that he only partially understood papa's gone for her not her i-i lady isabel checked herself and fell sobbing on the bed no not even at the last hour when the world was closing on him dared she say i am your mother wilson re-entered he looks as if he were dropping off to sleep quoth she yes said lady isabel you need not wait wilson i will ring if he requires anything wilson though withal not a bad-hearted woman was not one to remain for pleasure in a sick-room if told she might leave it she lady isabel remained alone she fell on her knees again this time in prayer for the departing spirit on its wing and that god would mercifully vouchsafe herself a resting-place with it in heaven a review of the past then rose up before her from the time of her first entering that house the bride of mr carlyle to her present sojourn in it the old scenes passed through her mind like the changing picture in a phantasmagoria 
Why should they have come, there and then, she knew not. William slept on silently. She thought of the past, the dreadful reflection, if I had not done as I did, how different would it have been now, had been sounding its knell in her heart so often that she had almost ceased to shudder at it. The very nails of her hands had, before now, entered the palms with the sharp pain it brought stealing over her more especially this night there as she knelt her head lying on the counterpane came the recollection of that first illness of hers how she had lain and in that unfounded jealousy imagined barbara the house's mistress she dead barbara exalted to her place mr carlyle's wife her child's stepmother she recalled the day when her mind excited by a certain gossip of wilson's it was previously in a state of fever bordering on delirium. She had prayed her husband, in terror and anguish, not to marry Barbara. How could he marry her, he had replied in his soothing pity. She, Isabel, was his wife. Who was Barbara? Nothing to them. But it had all come to pass. She had brought it forth. Not Mr. Carlyle. Not Barbara. She alone. Oh, the dreadful misery of the retrospect lost in thought in anguish past and present in self-condemning repentance the time passed on nearly an hour must have elapsed since mr carlyle's departure and william had not disturbed her but who was this coming into the room joyce she hastily rose up as joyce advancing with a quiet step drew aside the clothes to look at william master says he has been wanting me she observed why oh it was a sharp, momentary cry, subdued as soon as uttered. Madame Vine sprang forward to Joyce's side, looking also. The pale young face lay calm in its utter stillness. The busy little heart had ceased to beat. Jesus Christ had indeed come and taken the fleeting spirit. Then she lost all self-control. She believed that she had reconciled herself to the child's death, that she could part with him without too great emotion, but she had not anticipated it would be quite so soon. She had deemed that some hours more would at least be given him, and now the storm overwhelmed her. Crying, sobbing, calling, she flung herself upon him. She clasped him to her. She dashed off her disguising glasses. She laid her face upon his, beseeching him to come back to her that she might say farewell to her, his mother, her darling child, her lost William. Joyce was terrified, terrified for consequences. With her full strength she pulled her from the boy, praying her to consider, to be still. Do not, do not, for the love of heaven, my lady, my lady. It was the old familiar title that struck upon her fears and induced calmness. She stared at Joyce and retreated backward, after the manner of one receding from some hideous vision. Then, as recollection came to her, she snatched her glasses up and hurried them on. "'My lady, let me take you into your room. Mr. Carlyle is come. He is just bringing up his wife. Only think if you should give way before him. Pray, come away.' "'How did you know me?' she asked in a hollow voice. "'My lady, it was that night when there was an alarm of fire.' I went close up to you to take Master Archibald from your arms, and as sure as I am now standing here, I believe that for the moment my senses left me. I thought I saw a spectre. 
the spectre of my dead lady. I forgot the present. I forgot that all were standing round me, that you, Madame Vine, were alive before me. Your face was not disguised then. The moonlight shone full upon it, and I knew it, after the first few moments of terror, to be, in living truth, the living one of Lady Isabel. My lady, come away. We shall have Mr. Carlyle here. Poor thing! She sank upon her knees in her humility, her dread. Oh, Joyce, have pity upon me. Don't betray me. I will leave the house. Indeed, I will. Don't betray me while I am in it. My lady, you have nothing to fear from me. I have kept the secret buried within my breast since then. Last April. It has nearly been too much for me. By night and by day I have had no peace, dreading what might come out. Think of the awful confusion, the consequences, should it come to the knowledge of Mr. and Mrs. Carlyle. Indeed, my lady, you never ought to have come. Joyce, she said hollowly, lifting her haggard face, I could not keep away from my unhappy children. It is no punishment to me. Think you, the being here? She added vehemently, to see him, my husband, the husband of another. It is killing me. Oh, my lady, come away. I hear him. I hear him. Partly coaxing, partly dragging her, Joyce took her into her own room and left her there. Mr. Carlyle was at that moment at the door of the sick one. Joyce sprang forward. Her face, in her emotion and fear, was of one livid whiteness, and she shook as William had shaken, poor child, in the afternoon. It was only too apparent in the well-lighted corridor. Joyce! he exclaimed in amazement. What ails you? Sir, master, she panted, be prepared. Master William, Master William, Joyce, not dead. Alas, yes, sir. Mr. Carlyle strode into the chamber, but ere he was well across it, he turned back to slip the bolt of the door. On the pillow lay the white thin face at rest now. My boy, my boy, Oh, my God, he murmured, in bowed reverence, mayest thou have received this child to rest in Jesus, even as I trust thou hast already received his unhappy mother. This concludes the reading of Chapter 43, Part 2 of East Lynn by Mrs. Henry Wood. Recording by Linda McDaniel, June 2009.